Hey guys, this is Joe. We just don't recognize life's most significant moments while they're happening. Back then, I thought, well, there'll be other days. I didn't realize that that was the only day. What's up, guys? It's Eric. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. America has rolled by like an army of steamrollers. It's been a race like a blackboard, rebuilt and erased again. But baseball has marked the time. This field, this game, it's a part of our past, Ray. It reminds us of all that once was good and could be again. I have just created something totally illogical. That's what I like about it. anything in my life. There's a reason. Go the distance. Did you hear the voice too? Did you hear it? Go the distance. Yes. Our grave is dead. He died in 1972. Are you Moonlight Graham? No one's called me Moonlight Graham in 50 years. Unbelievable. It's more than that. It's perfect. You build a baseball field in the middle of nowhere and you sit here and you stare at nothing. This field, this game, it's a part of our past, Ray. It reminds us of all that once was good. Hey, is this heaven? No. It's Iowa. Kevin Costner, Amy Madigan, James Earl Jones, Ray Liotta, Burt Lancaster. Sometimes, when you believe the impossible, the incredible comes true. Field of Dreams. You're listening to Worth Leafy, the podcast where two former video rental clerks watch movies that they may have recommended at one time and see if they still think the film would be worth keeping an extra day or two to watch again, even if it meant paying a late fee. How you doing, Joe? Not too bad. I car you. I'm good. I'm good. Um, things are going well. I I have some stuff that I've been watching to talk about, but I have I also have the good news is the change in COVID restrictions and and things seem like they're trending in the right way, you know. Yep. Nah, yeah. So it's hopefully, just, it's nice. Hopefully, this episode gets published relatively in the next six months. So this, <laughs> so well, it's relevant. And what, what, then it'll be even more relevant then. So I hope so. I hope it doesn't take a negative turn. <laughs> the, the one thing that I, my, the thing that I'm getting mad about now, and if anyone who's listening, I, if if this is you, I don't care. You're a piece of crap. So the, the so it, we, Joe and I live on the Mass New Hampshire border, and a couple weeks ago, New Hampshire. <clears throat> took off their mask mandate right but local businesses will still say like hey if you come into the store you know just please put on a mask whatever because it's our store yep. totally reasonable yep. and 
I'll go into like the local grocery store on the Hampshire line and these people be walking in with like without masks and they're walking around and they have this like shitting grin on their face. Like they want someone to say something to them. And if you're that person who's putting it, putting like a 16 year old kid in the position to be like, excuse me, sir, can you please put on a mask? You are a piece of garbage. Just put on the mask. It's their store. It's their rules. I don't care. They they take their whole live free or die mentality a little too, a little too close to heart there. Oh, it's so (laughs) annoying. It's, it's just like, it's, it's no different than anything else. Like you have to wear a shirt, you have to wear shoes, put on a mask. But, but other than that, it's good. I've been watching, uh, I've rewatching and watching some good stuff lately. You know what I rewatched last night that was interesting is when was the last time you watched Mystic River? Oh man, it's it's been a while. So a while, yeah. It's still a good movie, but that movie is basically like Sean Penn and one or two other cast members carrying a bunch of crap performances and the fact that tim tim robbins is horrible in that movie maybe it's just because we're from massachusetts and like his accent is atrocious and whatever but i think he's horrible and he won an academy that did he yeah he won best academy. He either won or he got nominated for best best supporting actor and he's horrible like that i still enjoy the movie obviously it's a heavy movie it's not like a f- yeah the the ending stuck with me for sure. I haven't seen it in a while, but the ending has stuck with me. The whole, th- the whole, the whole movie is just a downer. But, but Sean Penn's amazing in it. He's to, he's a crazy, you know, talented guy. But and Tim Robbins is a talented guy too. But oh man, he was so bad in it. And and there's just there's, there's a lot of stuff in it. A lot of supporting cast members that I'm like, you couldn't find someone better than that. Yeah, yeah. I've been, I haven't watched that since. God, I probably the movie scene days before maybe like yeah. around the movie scene days it's been a long yep. while yep and then um obviously been watching a lot of nhl playoffs including the bruins and other teams but um also one two episodes left of mayor of east town it's amazing it gets better and better every episode i have no idea how it's gonna close out and then i finally started watching the first hour of the irishman the irishman with uh the Scorsese with, oh, have, uh, you, have you seen that yet? You seen no, that yet? Okay. no, because it's just been like it's a three hour movie, so it's been like hanging over me for the past year plus or however long it's been out. But yeah, I'm liking it so far. I just oh, it's great. And yeah. like, I thought that movie flowed really well for three hours enough, so I saw it three times. I saw it uh once in theaters, once with my brother on Netflix, and then again with my family on Netflix, like all like a same, like pretty close period. Like, I wasn't bored of it. Yeah, though it is flowing so far, it's flowing really well. The one thing that I like have a hard time with is that like the the fact that De Niro and Pesci are so old, it it just bums me out. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. I think oh the de aging too. Okay. Yeah, that, yeah, that too. But it just bums me out that. But you know, whatever it's, it it happens. So, what about you? You've been watching anything good? So I have a few things I want to. So I've been watching Chuck. Still, we're on season three now. Um, that show is an easy, easy watch for as long as it is. It's an easy wait. It's an easy binge for sure. Um, I may have mentioned this in the past, but I watched a horror film that was made during the pandemic called Host. Um, it's an hour long. It's not, it's, it's like, it was, I don't know if it was more of like a, just like, you know, what can we do during a pandemic with no, you know, when, when we can't be around each other, but it's yep. a pretty cool horror film. It's all like around the, all around Zoom. 
So it's one of those films. And it's, I didn't realize how well it was received until I looked at it around to me. I was just like, I think it's like close to 100. It's something ridiculous where it's like the super high score, but I really enjoyed that. And so I have been someone who's kind of been worried about going to restaurants as of late and going, going into indoor yep. places. Yep. I'm, doing, I'm doing like takeout and yep. you know, picking up orders. But my favorite band announced a new album the other day and a concert. And it'll be my first time going to like a public thing, I think. So I'm super excited about that. Who's your, who's your... bleachers? And they put out um, they're gonna be going on tour in September at the Bank Pavilion. So it's an outdoor venue. And I'm like, this is the best way for me to like kind of I think break into a crowd. It's like an outdoor event concert. I, I was still... thinking about that too, because Colin Hayes playing in Lowell outside in August. Oh, is he? Yeah, and I was like, oh, maybe I'll go to that. I think an outdoor concert for like for me is like a good way to like ease into this whole thing. <laughs> like, yes, yeah. baby steps. Yep, yep. I was thinking the same thing about like like going to a Red Sox game or <clears throat> like a minor league game, stuff like that. But yeah, no, it's true. So the beer I'm drinking tonight, I, I've, I've I had this for another episode. I can't remember if it was rookie of the year or if I just had it one episode because I liked it and I couldn't find another beer, but. Uh, four seam ipa from idle hands brewery in lovely Malden, massachusetts this might just be my like official go-to for baseball movies because it's four seam like four seam fastball but it's also delicious so if you are in the new england area and you have access to that definitely pick it up because it's so good especially now they're getting like hotter weather so um yeah, definitely recommend it. So like you heard from the trailer and maybe from our quotes, you picked it up. We're talking about Field of Dreams today. <clears throat> it was my pick. And I just picked it because I love baseball and we haven't done a good baseball movie yet. Um, and we haven't we haven't really done a lot of sports movies. And it's baseball season. It's also almost Father's Day. So it kind of falls in with that theme too. You know, Father's Day is like a month away, I think, ish. Um so you, yeah you, you want to acknowledge rookie of the year has a good baseball film no no <laughs> and not not rookie of the year is atrocious and i liked it when i was a kid but even when i was a kid there are other similar movies that we will do that are below rookie of the year out of the water in my opinion so but um what's your memory of field of dreams i've already seen the cover everywhere this cover the poster was super iconic simple poster but for whatever reason it just always stood out to me but like I mentioned earlier with uh, Mystic River, it's one of those ones where I actually didn't watch until my movie scene days. Um, and this and watching it now with for this episode was probably only my second or third time watching this film straight through. So I don't have a wow. lot of like attachment to it. So this was kind of like me going into it almost like with fresh eyes. This will be interesting then. I, I, this came out when I was four and has been always just one of the movies on cable. So <clears throat> I've probably seen it straight through quite a few times but then probably hundreds of times i've just turned it on tv and watched 20 minutes of it so i don't really remember the life before this movie it's been it's been around my entire life so um and you know if you look at most lists of best baseball movies this is going to be on the list towards the top of the list maybe maybe not the best maybe not the second best but towards the top and the thing that i liked or I was excited for you to talk about like for if, if you're going to pick a baseball movie is that this is really, it's a sports movie, but it's kind of like a fantasy movie. It's kind of like a, 
Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's why I pretty much mentioned it a little bit. It's that's yeah. why I liked. Like, I I love sports. I love you know I love sports movies. I love baseball movies. But this one, I thought it'd be a lot more baseball focused, but it wasn't. Right, right. So, do you have any stats as far as how it did financially? So, Fiddler Dreams came out on May fifth, nineteen eighty nine, having a budget of fifteen million, making eighty four point four million in the box office. It was written and directed by Phil Alden Robinson who hasn't really done a whole lot of writing and directing lately, but he has been a producer on a few um, recent TV shows. This movie was also based on the book Shoeless Joe, written by William Patrick Kinsella, or as he typically goes by, W.P. Kinsella, which I didn't know either. This was based on a book, so. Yeah, did you see the fun fact about the book versus the this, the name of the book? Versus I did. I, I didn't write it down, but I thought that was super cool how, how close they were together. Yeah, yeah. So I don't even remember if I wrote it down either, but so, oh, no, I did. So test audiences didn't like the, the original film of this movie with, with they were going to call the movie shoeless shoeless for shoeless joe jackson or they were going to call it shoeless joe jackson sorry um but the test audience didn't like it because they thought it sounded like a like a bum or a, a homeless person so um universal called the director and told him that shoeless joe didn't work so the studio changed the title to uh fill the dreams and when Robinson heard the news of the change, he called Kinsella, the author of the book, and told him the bad news. But apparently he didn't care, saying that Shoeless Joe was the title that the publishing company gave the book. And his original title that he wanted for the book was Dreamfield. So it was like it was kind of like a mirror image. Yeah. You know, of each other. Yeah, yeah I thought that was pretty cool. This is one of the few times where like the studio, like I actually agree with that call. Like Phil Dreams is such a good title for the film. No, I agree. And it and I can see why they thought. Yeah. that the other name would make people think the other thing. So um, critically, besides finance, what, so I'm sorry, I, I missed, what were the, how were the numbers financially? It did do it well? Did, or? It, it, I mean, yeah, it made, it made money. It didn't do for, <laughs> uh, for IP that people aren't familiar with. It had a budget of 15 million and it made 84.4 million. Yeah, so a nice, good. yeah. That's good. Um, critically, 7.5 out of 10 on IMDb, 87% on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, four stars from Ebert, and so here's a good four stars. Wow. Yeah, and here's a a, a piece from his review that I love. <clears throat> so he says, "Feel the dreams will not appeal to Grinches and Grouches and realists. It is a delicate movie, a fragile construction of one goofy fantasy after another. But it has the courage. Of, it has the courage to be about exactly what it promises. If you build it, he will come, and he does. So I thought that was the part about you know." The Grinches and everything like that. Like, if you go into this thinking it's going to be a realistic World Series movie, you're going to be disappointed. It's not, yeah. it's not what it is. And then another thing that I had to mention is Premiere had this named as one of the top 20 most overrated movies of all time. <clears throat> and I think that's crazy, personally. But I mean, I, I don't think, like, I, I know this movie's like pretty well received. But like, I never hear about like talk about like, you know, like, best of all time so i don't know how to make that overrated list yeah and, and i think i think what it is is i think whoever wrote that article and I, I don't know maybe they view it as like they're a grinch or whatever they, they they view it as a baseball movie and they're disappointed you know what i mean but yeah i had to mention that but so you you said it came out in what did you say may it was may 5th in 1989 okay so i saw that it came out in april of 89 so but either way, some other stuff, some other movies that came out around that time, uh, Major League, which is another top 
you know, I don't know, definitely top 10 baseball movie of all time. My left foot, uh, say anything and then kickboxer with, with Van Damme. So pretty good time for movies, maybe not, uh, that month, but, and then outside of film, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar played his last game uh, in the NBA. Uh, the first playoff goal was scored by a goalie, Ron Hextall of Philadelphia, not surprising. In the NFL draft, UCLA quarterback Troy Aikman was picked first by Dallas. And this kind of ties back into film. Siskel and Ebert filmed their 500th TV uh, movie review show. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Yeah. And the follow-up real quick with what you were talking about, I found out why, why uh, April was... So apparently Universal scheduled Field of Dreams to open in the U.S. on April 21st, 1989. The film debuted in just a few theaters and was gradually uh, released to more screens on a few a couple weeks later. So it was okay. kind of like a smaller, like almost like a like tests, I guess, a lot of limited release, but then it got more wider release. Makes sense. Makes sense. So some of the uh, the the big cast members and stuff and how they were doing going into the movie. Kevin Costner is Ray Kinsella. This was towards the beginning of his ascent to being an A-list superstar, like probably number one or one of the number one guys in Hollywood, love interest of almost every mom in America. So he had Untouchables and No Way Out in 87, Bull Durham, another top five baseball movie on most lists uh, in 88, this in 89. And they actually didn't want, I think from both sides, there was some feeling of they didn't want Costner. Costner wasn't sure about doing it because he didn't want to do two baseball movies back to back and just get chalked up as the baseball guy. Uh, Dances with Wolves in 90, which he also directed and he won the Academy Award for Best Picture. Uh, <clears throat> Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves and JFK in 91. The Bodyguard in 92. Wyatt Earp in 94. Slips up a little bit with Waterworld in 95, in my opinion. Waterworld has some cult status lately. That movie's yeah. got some cult status. And then he does Tin Cup in 96, which I think is a pretty, pretty good movie, actually. And I'm not a golfer, but and after that, he had some other some other good ones. But that 87 to 94 run was definitely his his peak and an impressive run. So uh, good for him. Amy Madigan as Annie Kinsella, the most supportive wife in the history of film. (laughs) She had Love Child in 82. Places in the Heart in 84, Field of Dreams in 89, Uncle Buck in 89, Dark Half in 93, Pollock in 2000, and then out of nowhere, she and she has other smaller stuff in between this, but out of nowhere, it comes back in uh, Gone Baby Gone in 2000. But yeah, her in this movie, I was like, that that might be the most fantasy thing of the entire movie, that he, you could take a guy who's like, hey, uh, you know, would it be cool if I just built a baseball field in our yard? Oh, and by the way, our yard is, we, we're farmers. So that space is how we make all we of our We may money. go bankrupt. <laughs> right. We're probably going to go bankrupt. The odds are pretty good. And she's just like, you know, chase your dreams. And then he's like, oh, I'm going to go to Boston. She's like, go ahead. I'm going to go to Minnesota. Fine. Sounds good. Yeah, she was awesome. And then uh, <clears throat> James Earl Jones as Terrence Mann. We've covered his resume before, but it's worth mentioning some highlights just because, again, the greatness is, is unbelievable. So Dr. Strangelove in 64, The Great White Hope in 70, Malcolm X in 72, not the Spike Lee Malcolm X, obviously, a different one, uh, Darth Vader in the Star Wars franchise, Soul Man in 86, Coming to America in 88, This in 89, Hunt for Red October, Patriot Games, Clear and Present Danger, Sandlot, Lion King, and on and on and on one of the greatest voices, if not the greatest voice of all time. And 
what a career that's lasted from 1964, a little bit before that on. Unbelievable. Yeah. And then a legend. Right. Then I also have to mention Gabby Hoffman, who plays Karen, the daughter. I'm not a guy who usually is like, oh, that kid in the movie was so cute. She is so freaking cute in this movie. And so she, she just feel the dreams and Uncle Buck in 89, sleep is in Seattle in 93. <clears throat> and she transitions to kind of into some more teenage high school roles. Now and then in 85, a volcano in 97, all I want to do in 98, 200 cigarettes in 99. Then she also had TV success on Girls and Transparent. So she's had a good career, but I really just wanted to give her her some credit for this one because it's not common for me to be like to buy into like a child actor really adding a ton to a movie and she's great in this so wanted to give her some credit we clearly Did you didn't even... watch the same kazam then D- didn't watch what the same kazam he must have oh, watched God, it for that kid sucks <laughs> he was he was he was good in bronx tale though i don't remember <laughs> what his name is but um do you have anything down for random facts i have a couple um i do i have the studio built the baseball diamond on an actual farm in Dyersville, Iowa. After the filming was completed, the family that owned the farm kept the field and added a small hut with inexpensive souvenirs for sale. As of 2018, visitors were free to come to the field and play baseball as they pleased between April and November. Super cool owners for allowing that. Super, yeah. super cool owners. Yep. Um, the movie's line, If You Built It, He Will Come, was voted as the number 39 movie quote by the American Film American Film Institute out of 100. Yep. This is a really this is my last fact but I thought it was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Then unknown, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon are among the thousands of extras in the Fenway Park scene and are uncredited. Over a decade later, when Phil Alden Robinson welcomed Affleck to the set of The Sum of All Fears, Affleck said, "Nice working with you again." Robinson asked, "What do you mean again?" And Affleck explained the connection. Super cool. I saw it, that, yeah. It's, it's funny seeing how like Ben Affleck and Matt Damon have always been like diehard Sox fans. So it's like it's, it's it's I love how it's not an act for them. Like they are actual fans of the sport. That was one thing that I got super nostalgia for was old Fenway before all the renovations. Because they did the when did they do the the Green Monster seats? I think it was like two thousand one or two. And as much as I like them and. I've sat up there a couple of times. I love just looking over the wall and seeing just the net and, and everything like that. And I, and I love just kind of like old grimier, uh, um, you know, Fenway stuff. So yeah, no, that was good. Did, did you too. have, I think we skipped over Did you have the back of the DVD summary just to give an overall plot of the movie? I do. So when Iowa farmer Ray, his mysterious voice one night in his cornfield saying, if you build it, he will come. He feels the need to act. Despite taunts of lunacy, Ray builds a baseball diamond on his land, supported by his wife, Annie. Afterward, the ghosts of great players start emerging from the crops to play ball, led by shoeless Joe Jackson. But as Ray learns, this field of dreams is about much more than bringing former baseball greats out to play. That's, that's a pretty good summary. It is. Um, and then you saying the quote again made me think of that it's also one of the most misquoted quotes because a lot of people say i think myself included i think i've caught myself saying if you build it they will come and it's it's not it's if you build it he will come which once you if you haven't seen the movie once you see it and you get to the end which i'm sure we'll talk about it makes a lot more sense and it kind of hits in a different way and and yeah it's great yeah 
So some random facts that I had down uh, for the in 2020, before all this craziness hit, there was a plan to have the Chicago White Sox, and the New York Yankees play an actual game on the field in Iowa. But then COVID ruined everything. So you know how that goes. <laughs> supposedly, and I haven't found I haven't seen this confirmed anywhere. But supposedly Tom Hanks was offered the role of Ray Kinsella, but he turned it down. Um, other names that were associated with the role. Alec Baldwin, Jeff Bridges, Tom Cruise, Michael Douglas, Richard Dreyfus, which is no way. Harrison Ford, Richard Gere, Mel Gibson, Ed Harris, William Hurt, Tommy Lee Jones, Michael Keaton, Gary Oldman, Dennis Quaid. Out of that list, Dennis Quaid is the one that I'm like, I, I always see it. Yeah, I always confuse like, you know, Dennis Quaid with like Kevin Costner and I don't know what it was, but they are very, very much alike the way they yeah. act. Yeah, I could see that happening. And then along with the, some other casting stuff. So for Annie, for uh, Amy Madigan's character, other people that were considered, Jamie Lee Curtis, Gina Davis, Jodie Foster, Demi Moore, Michelle Pfeiffer, Meg Ryan, uh, Susan Sarandon. And I think there was one. Oh, Su- uh, Sigourney Weaver. So kick at these lists. They really do just like, like, who's really popular right now? Let's just get all the names in like a you know, hat and start drawing them out. Right. And, and you wonder like what, what to, I mean, IMDb is pretty much people can submit whatever they want. Yeah. And if someone says, like, I think I heard one time. Are they actually actually being considered for the role? Right. So, um, and then a couple more, or one more, actually. Uh, Shoeless Joe Jackson was actually a left-handed hitter. Producers decided to let Ray Liotta bat from his natural right-handed side. And Liotta often had people point out the inaccuracy to him, to which he would respond. None of the players ever came back to life either. So it's kind of him being like, what do you want from me? But another one that I didn't write down, but I... I love, you know, the scene when Kevin Costner's like, let's see if you can hit my curve. And he throws a curve and then Ray Liotta like ropes it back at him and hits the, hits the bag. And Kevin Costner falls down. That was real. So he really threw that and he really almost got taken out by the pitch. Oh, what? I know that. And I knew that going into it. Cause I'd read it before. And if you watch it, um, if you watch it again, the edit's funny because Kevin Costner played it cool and he didn't immediately go like, like flip out he falls on his ass because he almost got taken out and he laughs, but then they cut to something else for a second. And I think they probably kept the surprise footage. You know what I mean? But then after, after a second or two, he was probably like, Jesus, that was close. You want to do that again or something? And then, so I, I think that's fun. It's fun to go back and rewatch that scene. If you know that. So um, that's about it for, for random facts. Do you have anything down for stuff that wouldn't fly in, in today's environment? Um, other than getting two beers and two hot dogs for $7 at Fenway Park, nothing controversial in this <laughs> environment. Yes. And I, <laughs> I don't think I, we have to explain to people how insane that is. But if you go to Fenway Park now and you get like a Bud Light, like a shitty beer. So like no 10 bucks. <laughs> no offense, Bud Light. If you want to sponsor us, I'll, we, Joe will edit that out. Um, yeah, it's like 10 50 or $11. If you get like a quote-unquote fancy beer like a sam adams or something it's like 12 and, and then hot dogs are like six bucks a piece so yeah no that, i thought that too my head like snapped back and then since you brought that up that scene is so weird so he goes up to the he goes up to the concession stand there's one guy doing all the work and then there's two concession <laughs> guys just staring at him like like i was like why are those guys in the shot they had to be someone's cousin and they were like can you just you just put my buddy in the in the in the shot but yeah um yeah i didn't have anything else that 
nothing bothered me at all. I, I think this movie's kind of perfect in that way. It's it's the film equivalent of like comfort food for me. Um, the only thing that would was a little sketchy was when Uncle Mark launches his niece off the bleacher and she almost <laughs> like chokes to death. But uh, but really though, no. that's aggressive man. He, he was like he was aggressive. Timothy Busfield too. He's amazing in one of the other good baseball movies that we're going to talk about in the future. So, um, favorite scene. What did you have? Favorite scene. So, I actually really like the scene with Ray and Terrence. The way Ray tries getting Terrence to go to family with him, and then wow, when he thinks uh, when he gets there, he kind of he thinks he doesn't really need him anymore. And yep. then when they get back they both share what they heard, which is the same thing. It's a sort of a pre-great relationship between the two of them. Um, yep. And of course, the ending was beautiful and definitely an emotional one. The build-up to what this was all set up for, not baseball, not being legendary players, but seeing his dad again. Yep. Hell of an ending. The the thing you said about uh, Ray and Terrence, I love it. So he like pretty much like drives him home because he thinks that he doesn't see it on the scoreboard in Fenway. And then just that scene where like, you know, he goes to drive away and all of a sudden he looks up and James Earl Jones standing in front of him. He's like, Moonlight Graham. It is yeah. awesome voice. Yeah, that scene's amazing. That seems so good. The uh, one other thing that uh, I would, if you watch it, the idea of someone who lives in Iowa driving to Boston, particularly to Fenway, and just having no stress. Like in, in reality, that would be like him, like <laughs> him, like get the fuck out of my way. Or driving that big van around Boston. Yeah. The hippie that. van. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, yeah. My favorite scene, I kind of talked about it a second ago, but uh, it starts out with my least favorite scene, which is when Annie's piece of trash brother suplexes little Karen off the bleachers. But after that, when uh, Archibald Graham steps off the field to become Dr. Graham, and saves her that whole scene is is so that scene almost made me try to get brie to watch the movie because i was like i was like ah, oh, you know i don't know it's not really her thing it's kind of like a father-son thing but that she would go crazy for but the best part of it is so then he walks into the cornfield as the doctor not as the young player even though he just had his moment as young as like the young guy and he got his hit and he gets the recognition from shoeless joe Shoeless Joe looks at him. He's like, "Hey, rookie, you are good." And then he just walks away. That scene crushes me. Goosebumps, yeah. (laughs) Me too. Yep. And then, and then Uncle Mark finally believes after almost killing, after almost killing his niece. At least he gets something out of it, and he and he believes in it. So, yeah, that whole really the last twenty five minutes of this movie probably are just nonstop greatness. So. Um, yeah. What did you have down for the soundtrack? Anything? Yeah, I have a, I thought it was beautiful. It yeah, was composed it by a great James Horner. It really helped bring out the emotions, especially during the last scene. And it's, what's funny is James Horner actually, he, he didn't think he could uh, take this over originally because of scheduling conflicts. But after he saw a rough cut of the film, he was so moved by it that he ended up accepting it. So it's pretty yep. cool. Yep. Now, and that's one thing that I get more watching it as an adult than I did when I was a kid is how perfect the timing is and how you could never watch this movie. This is a one that, and I've never done this. I didn't see this movie in theaters. Obviously I was four years old, but if like chunkies or a local theater did a special showing of this, not that no offense, chunkies, but not the chunkies has like the greatest sound system, but I would love to go watch it in an environment with like 
good sound like loud everything cranked up because yeah it's powerful i suppose they missed the third anniversary you think they like would have kind of a little more you know all out with this with this one but yeah yeah they they might do it eventually though i think that they're going to be looking to do more of that stuff now that you know things are getting back to normal and i would do that i would now that i'm i'm good so i would do that and I, i have to mention too um another fun fact while we were talking about um uh archibald graham dr archibald graham so the doctor version the older version is played by burt lancaster and this was his last film so pretty unreal career that started in the 40s and ran all the way up until this in 89 so yeah impressive he did what what do you end on some some tv right he ended with tv i believe his career like his last his last couple of things i don't know probably maybe i don't know i don't know how much longer he 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 died oh yeah he died in 94 so he must have he must have had some other stuff yeah he had yeah he did he's a he's a narrator for an episode in cops he was also on uh the fans of the opera tv show uh separate but equal but yeah oh and that yeah phantom of the opera he won he was nominated for golden globe so that's probably oh, wow. <clears throat> that was it ended yeah. yeah yeah that was a year after this in, in 1990 um so yeah i just wanted to mention that but um yeah, so soundtrack's good. If you could change one thing, what would you change? This movie is fantasy. I'm not going to stand here and question, you know, where these players are coming from, the time travel, and everything else. There is one thing that came to mind, though, while I was watching it, and I haven't read the book, so I'm not sure what's changed and what isn't, but I sort of wish we got a little more insight into the players and some of their personalities. For the brief time they're on screen, they're a fun bunch with their bickering, their nonsense. And it'd be kind of fun to just learn a little bit about some of the legends on top of shoeless Joe Jackson. But that's such a small thing because I know baseball yeah. isn't the focus either. This is that, but they were a fun crowd. Like when they were like on screen for like a couple seconds apiece. I love the scene when, uh, when Ray's goes in for dinner or whatever and, <laughs> yes. and they're all like making fun of him. Like, Oh, come on in Ray. And they just start like breaking his balls. <laughs> you, yeah. You I love that. them. You, you fall for those kind of so fast for just like those yep. seconds they're on screen. Yep. Um, yeah, the one thing I would change, and it's not like a major thing, but this isn't something I say too often, but if I could, I probably could have used an extra five or 10 minutes at the beginning to give a little bit more of a background of Ray, his relationship with his father, et cetera. Like, it's kind of like him, he narrates a quick minute or two of, of what happened. But I think if they, you could give one more minute of or him, like, or even a flashback thing. And it would it would be a little bit more powerful, but that's me being like super picky, looking for a reason. I almost put that same thing down. <laughs> I almost the same exact thing, but then I was thinking about it, and I was like, I wasn't sure if it was a, a choice because they didn't want to make like a negative film because this whole film was pretty positive for the most part. Like, there's no negativity in it. Right. So, a piece of me was wondering like if that was the reason why because they wanted like this movie from start to finish being pretty uplifting and not like right. no. But yeah, I almost put that down as well. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah, but. Once you get to, I think, I think that I was thinking of it in a having someone watch this who's never seen it before. I've seen this movie so many times. I don't need, you know, I get it. But if I were to try to have like Brie watch it, if she looked at her phone, there's a, there's a two minute stretch where if you look at your phone or you like, you know, you're just not paying attention, you miss so many, like another level of the film. So, but again, that's me being super picky. So 
uh, point of the podcast. Uh, we're going to rate the movie. Scale of one to five. Would you mind paying a late fee to keep this movie? Score of one is you get to that spot where Ray is supposed to be explaining his relationship with his father, and you're like, you rushed through that. I'm done. You didn't give me enough information. Uh, all the way up to the score of five, which you're going to watch it. Uh, watch it again. Watch it three times. Keep it a few extra days. Pay the late fees. Maybe even just buy it from the rental store because you just want to show your friends. So one is a low. Five is a high. It's my pick. So Joe's going to go first. Joe, what are you giving Field of Dreams? A 4.5. While I remember liking this film when I saw it years ago, I don't remember liking it this much. While baseball is a small piece of this film, it's not the focus. It's more about these characters finding themselves. Terrence finds a new path for himself after years of having this unwanted spotlight on him. And Ray gets some closure with his father and is able to close that part of his life, one he always had a lot of negative memories from. Baseball and the players surrounding these characters are only a part of the journey for the real meaning of this film. This movie is about relationships, believing, second chances, all those things that make us human. So it's definitely one that gets you thinking once the credits start rolling for sure. Yep. Yeah, I almost gave it that exact same score. It, so we always talk about nostalgia when we give our stores, scores, and this movie to me is nostalgia. If you love baseball, if you love like Americana, father-son stuff, this movie's for you. Um, if you don't love baseball, some of it may be lost in you a little bit, and that's okay. But I think more than baseball, it's like like The Sandlot, like Stand By Me. It's They're really remembering a time when life's easier and more simple. And you know what I mean? That like Baseball happens to be what he associates that with, but that's really what they're talking about. So me personally, I love the game of baseball. So five out of five for me. Um, like I said earlier, this movie is just, it's like comfort food to me. I, every summer, I could watch this probably once a week, all summer long. And then some, sometimes in the winter too, I'll, if it's on TV, I'll watch it. So I'm a big fan. It's one of my favorite baseball movies ever. I've never sat down and really made a list because there's kind of different styles of them. But I was just going to ask, do you have a favorite baseball film? As the one, I'm not sure if it's the one I think it is, like we were reviewing the summer probably, but do you have a, is there one that comes to mind that you want to talk about? Uh, yeah, yeah, this, this would be in the discussion, um, but the, probably the one that I want to, well, there's a, yeah, pro, there's another one that's probably my my favorite, but okay. um, yeah, no, this is definitely up there. It's, it's, I really just love this movie, and I don't know if I've ever said this, but Kevin Costner as an actor, I'm pretty indifferent on him. I don't think he's, I love, he makes great movies, and I'm not knocking him, but he, I don't, he, he doesn't really like blow me away no he could, he could be he could be replaced for sure but yeah i mean he, he's great in this movie I mean, yeah i think in it. this movie he could i don't know if he could be replaced in this movie because he's like this is perfect for him yeah but the fact that he won like academy awards kind of blows me away sometimes for, for other movies but yeah this this movie is perfect for him so yeah big fan i'm glad we rewatched it so <clears throat> if you have a suggestion follow us on, on instagram worth a late fee suggestions are always welcome um, just send us a message. We'll be back next week, and it's Joe's pick next week. So I'll let him introduce uh, what we're going to be watching next. We are so this movie. Uh, Eric, Eric was mad at me for picking this movie earlier, but <laughs> so I actually had this movie in the back of my like. I have a playlist where I choose these movies. Like I have you know a list where I pick and choosing from, and this one was actually going to be picked. If it was my pick after Star Wars, I was going to pick this, um, and then. Just a few days ago, we got news that Charles Grodin passed away, the great Charles Grodin. And so this movie that I'm going to pick stars him. And it's one 
it's not his best film, obviously, but it's one I grew up with loving. We are going to watch the 90s classic, Beethoven. <laughs> I just, I think I just heard Charles Grodin roll over in his grave. <laughs> <laughs> he likes this movie. He's, he likes so much when he won the sequel, too. So. <laughs> yeah. well, I'm not going to speak ill of the dead, but <laughs> Charles Grodin did have quite the career, and it's so kind of you to pick this movie to this is one I have attachment to. So I haven't seen this movie in years. So right now, Lil Joe, remember, is liking this film and the ending always talk with me. So I'm curious to see if the memories are as good as the actual film is. I saw, I saw this movie in theaters. I remember did you? seeing this. I did. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. I had this one of the VHS growing up. I burned that VHS tape out every week. So. Yep. Yep. So. We'll be back next week, guys. Other than that, thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. As always, thank you.